Hey, listeners, uh, today is actually part two of our first episode of season six uh, with the conversation with David Tate. So we're going to jump right back into this conversation uh, and, and pick up right where we left off. So I'm glad you brought up the word trust, David. That that kind of hits the nail on the head, and and I, I because I know employees are looking for an employer that they can trust, and and they're kind of in a, like the, the in the labor market being what it is, they're in a position of power right now. They can go out and find that. They can hold out for that employer that's kind of that's trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so they want their employer to have their back. So, uh, so how does trust talk a little bit more about trust, if you if you would, and how it relates to the uh, conscious accountability model, and how leaders can create this necessary trust beyond just gonna doing what they said that they could do? Yeah. So would do. Uh, yeah. There's so there's a couple of things um, that I think we could talk about here. Um, you know, we talked about clarity in terms of you know communicating and and creating clarity. So I think that's that's an an important thing is sort of being clear in in what you're saying but also um, transparent mm. right transparency is really important in building trust so that people are not second guessing whether there's a hidden agenda mm-hmm. um, or whether it is that just the sort of um, kind of corporate speak or the the yeah. party line and and really there's some other um, thing going on behind the scenes so so to the extent that, that organizations and leaders are willing to be transparent yeah. about what's going on, why things are happening, you know, problems that are happening, whatever it is. And not sugarcoating it. Right. right. Yeah. Not sugarcoating it, yeah. not trying to um, spin it, but, but to talk honestly about what the challenges are. And, you know, I think people appreciate being treated like grownups, you mm-hmm. know, like being treated and being included. Um, you know, so I think, you know, to the extent that people um, are not being transparent, it 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 breeds dis- distrust and also breeds separation. Like there's an in group that knows what's going on, mm-hmm. and then there's the rest of us yeah. um, that don't. And so, um, so the idea of of being transparent and you know being accessible, um, you know, it, it, you know, I think accessibility also helps create. Um, trust. So, um, one of the one of my clients um, who I think does a really good job at transparency, um, you know, does things like um, uh, she runs a, a quite a, quite a large organization, but she does weekly video broadcasts, or you know, where she's like exp- you know sharing what's going on, talking about. Um, things that people should should know about, and I think, um, you know, it, it makes her feel more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though she's the CEO and she's got a lot going on, I think you know she she really reaches out and extends herself to to make people feel connected and a part of what's happening yep. in in the larger organization. Right. So so the tra- so I think transparency is key. I think another thing we talked about is. Um, you know this this idea of um, kind of opening up engagement again the, the O practice of, of of connect and I think when leaders demonstrate awareness um, of of what's going on with other people and and show that they actually care mm. that that builds trust so 
you know, when you hear that people are struggling with something or having a problem, being responsive and, you know, n you know not just saying, you know, uh, you know, glossing over it, but actually attending to what people are concerned about mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and addressing it, that builds trust as well. Um, can, can even, even sometimes, can even just listening, even, even if you're not, if you don't have an immediate response or there's not one that's, that's readily available or, or, or obvious, yep. uh, just hearing somebody out, does that help build trust? Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, that, that was my next, uh, one of my next points on this is huh. that, um, that being open to hearing people's concerns. Yeah. And being open to really, and showing that you're that you're listening, that you are hearing them out. You're right. There's not always an obvious answer. There's always different kind of things in organizational life that are that that we need to balance, right? And so, not every concern or problem can be just you know addressed right away. But but the act of listening mm. and let people know, like I hear you. I'll be. I'm going to be thinking about how we can you know, deal with this. And then, you know, I think that goes a long way mm -hmm. for people feeling like, um, all right, this is somebody who, um, you know, is, is dialed in, is c concerned about me, is willing to give me um, space to kind of share what's in my mind. Yeah. Um, so that, I, I think that does go a very long way. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're genuinely going to listen to me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, not just you know. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's right. I think I think it needs to be done in a in a genuine way too, not just saying yeah, or I'm I'm listening, you know, and you're checking your watch or checking your email at yeah. the same time. Yeah. But you're really you know, engaged in trying to understand where this person is coming from and right. what their perspective is. Right. Right. Um, so it requires not just listening but active listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We actually just did a little a listening training session here actually uh, and talked about active listening what it really means and <laughs> like anything else if you don't have a goal to the listening the goal being to really understand that person and uh then then you're probably not going to be a good listener <laughs> right <laughs> right so uh, so w what does that mean then how is active listening different than just you know i'm sitting here it looks like i'm paying attention like, how do you actively listen? What are, what are some thoughts around that? Yeah, so to me, you know, actively, and you you, you said it a, a while ago, but like the idea of listening with some kind of intention and having some intention in mind and, and the intention, you know, I think the intention being to really understand another person's perspective and, and how they view the situation, mm. how they view the world or what's going on. So you're really listening, trying to inhabit their perspective. And, um, and so active listening involves, um, you know, a number of different micro skills that go into it, right? So it's, um, I think, really, uh, first of all, being present and being able to be fully present with someone else. So managing your own distractions, mm -hmm. managing your own kind of monologue that might be going on in your head, kind of mm. suspending that mm -hmm. um, and, and, being, and being fully present and kind of conveying that you are in fact with the person 
And, and we do that in ways that are sometimes verbal or sometimes nonverbal. Um, but, you know, we can, we can paraphrase what we hear them saying. We can, um, you know, we can, you know, re, you know re, repeat back what, what we're hearing. Um, we can even just, you know, making good eye contact and, um, you know, like leaning in. There's a lot of ways we can convey that we're really there and paying we're really attention. present and paying yep. attention. So that's one element. Another element is about inquiry, which is asking good questions that help people share their perspective more fully. Mm-hmm. So, so when I'm at, when I'm following you and I'm tracking you and I'm asking questions that help you tell me more about your perspective, um, that's another way to really actively engage and not just passively receive what someone is saying, but also make sure that we're actually getting it. So like testing our understanding or in, in inviting um, the person to kind of give a, a more full-bodied um, uh, picture of what they're of what they're trying to say. When you say when, when, when you have a conversation with somebody and this happens, you know, in all sorts of scenarios, but and you say, so, you know, do, do you have any questions? And if they've got no questions, it's really an indicator that they almost weren't fully like, how could you have no questions? Right. Right. After everything I just said. Right. Like, you've got no questions. Yeah. Where was your head during that conversation? <laughs> right. 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 Where were you? Yeah. I think it's a great point that asking questions, when you ask thoughtful questions, it shows that you're paying attention and engaged and, and wanting more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A- another part of active listening for me is about um, – is about uh, – it's about empathy and really being able to share, convey as you're listening that what the other person is saying makes sense, that um, that they have a valid perspective, whether or not you agree with it, <laughs> yeah. actually. You may not agree with it, but it doesn't mean that given that person's situation that their perspective isn't valid. Mm. So. Doing that actually requires us to suspend our own judgment. And mm. it's very easy when we're listening to people to be in our own thoughts and our own judgments and being like, nope, that was wrong, or I disagree with that, or I liked what they said. But like being all in our own thoughts about what they're saying instead of really trying to align and be with what they're saying about it. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that is a skill in and of itself, suspending our own kind of judgments and our own thoughts to really be present and stay with the other person. Yeah. Do we have, is there, is there a human innate need or desire to be right mm. that we, that we have, that we're battling against? Like, so there's, there, we're working against some natural tendencies, I think, or at least some people have a natural tendency to, to want to go right to arguing. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead mm-hmm. of let me understand you better, it doesn't mean I need to agree. But 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 like no, I'm I'm thinking now about how I want you know, my retort to you and how I want to prove you wrong and me right. Right. Is is that is that human nature or is it just some people? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think. Look, I think you know, lots of people. You know, we're socialized from a young age yeah. to want to get the right answer. Yeah. You know, and to be rewarded for yeah. being the one mm-hmm. who gets 
the right answers a lot. Mm. Um, being the one who's smart, being the one who's competent, all of those things, right? People, you know, for a long time, that's the way we, you know, are, are, are kind of brought along to believe that that's what we should be going for. Mm-hmm. And so I think over, over, over time, that can become automatic. Mm. And that can just be the sort, almost the yeah. reflexive response is to go for right, yeah, um, or to seek being right, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, so I don't know if it's human nature or just just the way we're socialized. Socialized, yeah, yeah. But 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 it may require a little bit of unlearning, yeah. Um, to, but that's to, a di- it's right. It, but that's a distraction. If your mind is on not what the other person is saying, but on what I'm going to say next, so that I can prove myself right, that's a distraction. And and just one more thing on listening, David, like. You talked about, we talked about the, the sort of internal distractions, mm. that being one of them. Like I'm, I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm telling stories in my own head and kind of coming up with my own. Um, but what about more explicit uh, distractions like our phones and, oh, yeah. and our laptops and all the other things that, that we might have while we're supposed to be paying attention to this other person? What, what are your thoughts on that and, and how important it is to eliminate those distractions too. I think technology puts us at a great disadvantage yeah. in this area, right? Because, you know, the, the and, and so part of consciousness, bringing consciousness here is consciously managing distraction, consciously managing our technology so it's not distracting us when we don't want to be distracted. Mm. So, you know, using the um, the focus button on your phone that shuts off all the notifications and doesn't let your phone ring when you want to be really focused and not distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going away from your desk and going somewhere else when you want to have a conversation with somebody mm-hmm. um, so you don't get, you know... And leaving your phone in your laptop at your desk and going, you know, yeah. in, into a sidebar conversation, yeah. That's right. Yeah. But even, and, and I think, you know, in this age where we're doing so much work over, over Zoom, mm-hmm. may, you know, many of us, right? Mm-hmm. It's very easy to get distracted when you have, you know, uh, Zoom is one window of many that might be up on your, yep. you know, at your, at your workstation. Yep. And so, plus your phone. Plus, I've seen people carry two phones. They've got their work phone, then they got their personal phone, and they're both right there. And they're like, like, you know, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I will do, particularly if I'm starting a meeting on Zoom, is I will um, start by asking people, "So, what has your attention right now? What is the thing that you are really like?" Um, that you're thinking about, that if you weren't meeting right now, you'd be, mm. you know, all focused on. And, and, and what is the thing that they, you need to put down <laughs> in order to be fully present? Mm. So I just, just by asking that question, it does two things. It, one, brings, brings their conscious awareness, awareness to the fact yep. that they are actually distracted and thinking about something else. Yep. And two, invites them and to, to being present and, and kind of, um, gives them the message that there's value that you're going to miss if you're not fully present here. Um, I even do it when I teach my classes. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I actually start by inviting people to, um, to become present, to put away the stuff that happened earlier today, to, to not, to, to not um, be focused on the things that's coming next, but let's just be focused on the time that we have together so mm-hmm. we can get the most value from it. 
Yeah. Easier said than done, though, right? Oh, for sure. It takes practice. That's right. Uh, so anyone uh, on my team who listens to this podcast, if anyone on my team does, <laughs> but they'll, they'll, they'll be familiar with this. So I talk about the performance equation that your performance is your, your talent or natural ability plus your preparation mm-hmm. or practice, the work that you put in, minus distraction. Mm. So if you think of listening as, as that you want to be a good listener, so your performance as a listener, you want to optimize your performance, you need to limit distractions as a listener mm-hmm. by that equation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the, about the uh, great resignation. Employee burnout is, is often cited as probably the one of the, or at least one of the main drivers of this great resignation and people are changing careers and leaving jobs that they don't enjoy and uh, so on and so forth. And so does conscious accountability address burnout in any way? Yeah, I believe it does. And I actually have a little story to, to illustrate how, how, it, how I believe it does. Um, and that just actually happened um, yesterday. So this is, hmm. this is a, 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 you know, hot off the presses Timely, kind of thing. Yeah. Timely. So I had a student um, reach out to me um, for a class that I'm teaching. And um, she said, Professor, I, I'm writing to let you know that next week, I have a really important interview that I, that just came up, um, and I'm going to be really prepping for this interview over the next several days, and we have an assignment that's due Saturday night, and I'm wondering if I could get permission to hand it in later, because I know that if I have that assignment too, it's really going to take a toll on my sanity. I'm going to lose sleep, and and it's just going to, um, you know. It, it, it's going to affect me negatively. So I wrote back to the student and I said, first of all, thank you for the conscious awareness <laughs> to look ahead, see that this was going to be an issue, and to take responsibility by, you know, trying to come up with a solution ahead of time. Mm. I said, you know, I said, thank you for that. I said, also, thank you for paying attention and taking care of your own well-being. Mm-hmm. No one else can do that for you but you. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so from there, I, there was actually one part of the assignment that I thought was, was important that it got done in a timely way, but it was about, you know, 20% of it. Mm -hmm. So I said, why don't you do the 20% that actually matters in terms of the time and hand the rest in later? And she was delighted. She came back and said, you know, thank you. That's, this is a great solution. Um, I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's an example of how conscious accountability can actually help prevent burnout. People being more aware of themselves, more aware of what's on their plate, what they have to deliver, and making choices and negotiating um, to figure out solutions that, again, hopefully get the job done, but also support their well-being and support their humanity. And by, by, by me being flexible mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, like I want you to, to, I, I support your well-being. Yeah. I want you to be in a good place. Right. Um, that kind of creates, you know, I think it builds trust. Mm-hmm. It creates, um, you know, a good environment. I bet she'll do a better job on the assignment. Mm-hmm. Instead of just sort of like doing some slapdash job, I, I, I'm, I'm certain that she'll do a more thoughtful job because A, she'll have the time and B, like, 
she may be more motivated to yeah. like want to do a good job on it. So I think this is an example of how, you know, if we are more aware of our own needs and take care of ourselves and we're willing to take the risk to engage with others in, in navigating getting things done, but, and if, and if you, know, you know, people who are, you know, supervising can also, you know, take that into account and be aware of that, mm-hmm. that it can really help to address burnout and help people, you know, feel like there's, there's flexibility, there's, there's cushion, there's, we can absorb the, the moments when we're having trouble yeah. Um, or we're, where we're challenged by, by one thing or another and still um, figure out a way to, to get things done. Yeah. So, David, wh- when do you know, when, when can you realize or can see that you've, you've actually created so, or you're beginning to create conscious accountability in a team environment? What are some signs of, a, of, a, of an environment where there is conscious accountability in play? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things I think that you you'd be likely to see um, with when, when a team is kind of getting to that place where they're consciously accountable. Um, I I think first of all you have it you'd have a team where they really kind of know and understand each other, and they they are. I mean, if you ask them, you you they could probably tell you about other people's work styles, about other people's situations, about what makes other people successful or, you know, th- their preferences on how they how they like to work. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that awareness that they're going to have about each other. That's going to that that's going to um, serve them in how they kind of interact and how they work together. You're also going to see like I, I think a high level of engagement among team members, meaning they're asking each other for input. They're asking each other for feedback. They are sharing information kind of readily. And they're asking questions like, okay, here's what I'm doing. How is this going to affect you and your work? So they're thinking ahead that what they're doing is going to have some kind of implication Mm. for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're out in front with that instead of chasing it. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, like, oh, I did this thing and, oh, there was this adverse impact that happened over here. Right. Um, you know, so of course that's going to happen. But teams that are more consciously accountable anticipate yeah. that that's likely yeah. and are sort of always talking about how, how can they um, kind of make each other aware of what's going on so, so it lessens the likelihood of surprises like that. Yeah, so instead of like, you know, the, the, the deadline is due in two hours and, hey, guys, uh, something came, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hit it. Like, proactively, a few days earlier, listen, guys, giving people a heads up and, and, and understanding that I can't just wait until the last minute to let them know that this isn't going to go the way we had planned it to go. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So that being... And, and, and right, so a team with higher conscious accountability is going to be able to look ahead a little further yeah. and see what's, what's happening a few steps ahead mm. and being able to, like, make adjustments um, sooner so they don't, you know, completely drop the ball. Yeah. There's some other way that, that um, they, they, they manage to catch it. And communicate with their other teammates about it that's ahead right. of time. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, another thing I think would be, um, uh, like, teams that – again, have like a strong learning orientation. They're willing to talk about mistakes, to admit mistakes, to, um, you know, 
and, and, to, and to have conversations, as we talked about earlier, about how they learn from mistakes. Um, and then I think another thing is teammates that actively cover for each other. So like when one teammate has to go out unexpectedly, um, you know, someone else is going to step in. Mm. And there's no, you know, like people step up when they need to mm. and, um, and feel responsible not only for their own work, but for the work of the team. Yeah, without and resentfulness. Without being resentful. Yeah, yeah. Just that's part of their, of the way they care for each other, mm. is be, being willing to um, jump in mm -hmm. and, and roll up their sleeves and do a little bit of um, what might be in somebody else's plate at times, knowing that there's going to be some time when you might need that too, You're and, some, help, and yeah. someone else is going to step in for you and help you too. Yeah, yeah. So to, to, to sum it up, I think a consciously accountable culture is a more caring culture. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. That, and that, that's why it's, I think, in the long run, um, a, 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 a more successful recipe and a, a more successful way to think about accountability. Yeah. Because I think people, when they're a part of a culture – where they feel valued, where they feel cared for, where they really feel like they belong, mm -hmm. um, that's they're much more likely to stick around, even if they're not being compensated at the highest mm -hmm. um, level of of what's possible, you know, for them. They, they a lot of people will say, yeah, I, I could go make a bit more money somewhere else, but I'm going to stay here because I really enjoy the people that I work with, and I really love how we work together mm -hmm. um and that i think is uh you know part of what what makes you know conscious accountability like the secret sauce mm -hmm. that um you know that that makes uh, you know a, a huge difference in organizations that um you know are ultimately more successful and retain their talent over time versus those that 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 are less so I think that's a perfect way to end it. But before we go, real quick, we always end our, our podcast with some rapid-fire questions. Okay. Are you up for that? Let's do it. Ready? Yeah. Top of mind, whatever comes first. So tea or coffee? Tea. Favorite food? Uh, anything pasta. Last thing you watched on TV? Oh, my gosh. Last thing I watched on TV, <laughs> The Great British Baking Show has a new episode, new, new season out. Just watched the first one. All right. <laughs> Very first job. Oh my gosh, I worked at um, my cousin's video store as a, as a video, uh, that was back in the day yeah, when we had video stores. But I yes. remember those, yes. some of our listeners will not. Uh -huh. <laughs> and finally, David, our theme at One Digital this year is to be all in. Uh, so how do you plan on being all in professionally and or personally this year? I'm all in on promoting this idea that we've been talking about conscious accountability, I think um, it, is, it is something that could help make um, people's lives better, mm -hmm. people bringing more joy mm -hmm. and authentic, authenticity and like realness to, to work. Um, and so I'm all in. I'm going to be um, focusing a lot on getting the message out and helping more and more folks change their minds about how to do accountability better. Great. Thank you, David, so much for joining us. What a great conversation. Thank you to everyone who has listened to this episode of Friends with Employee Benefits. <laughs>